look, I think everybody should decorate whenever they want to decorate, right? Start Christmas whenever you want to start Christmas. Just because I've started listening to Christmas music and wearing Christmas socks and we put a, a tree or two last, yesterday doesn't mean you have to. You can be boring if you want to be. There's no judgment for me. Not criticizing you. Okay, we're talking about criticism today, relational vampire, criticism. Criticism can, can sometimes be difficult to slice because we think of it typically as negative, and I'm going to talk about it mostly as something negative today, but we've got to be honest at the front that not all criticism is negative, not all criticism is bad. Um, we have to... We have to have feedback if we want to improve, right? We, we need somebody who honestly say, hey, you can handle this better, or why don't we try it this way, or this isn't going well. Like, the only way you get better is if somebody's honest with you in the right way, right? Right attitude, right? Choice of words, all of that sort of thing. There is a, a healthy aspect to feedback and to criticism. You have been in... Uh, a personnel review or an HR review or an annual evaluation and maybe you didn't like everything that you heard but it's possible you needed to hear that right? you're going to be better if you you're going to handle clients better if you relationally things are going to go better if you and that's not always easy to hear right? we, don't, we don't enjoy hearing that but the path to improvement sometimes goes through what sounds like criticism to us. So I do not want to send the message that criticism is always bad and should always be avoided. Criticism is sometimes very healthy. But that brings us to another challenge with this topic, and it's this. Everybody thinks their criticism is healthy, right? Everybody thinks what they're telling you is valuable, and that's simply not always the case. People say, look, I'm just trying to help, right? And, and you think, I wish you wouldn't, right? You don't have to help me so much. I just think you should know, and, and we don't always want to know what they think we should know. Nobody thinks that the criticism they offer is the unhealthy kind. We all think Ours is the best kind given with the best of intentions to help you be better. But there, there is unhealthy criticism, right? and, 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 and it wears on us after a while. It, 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 it drains us, our energy, our emotion, it drains us. So what is healthy, what is unhealthy, we're, we're not going to have that full discussion, but here's a couple of ways criticism definitely tilts over to the unhealthy side. And one is this, criticism is unhealthy when it's personal. Not when it's, let's improve this, hey, I think this could be better. But when it is given from a standpoint of intending to hurt, intending to humiliate, intending to attack, I'm attacking you as a person. Nobody receives criticism well if it comes in the form of a personal attack. No one receives criticism well if it comes in the form of humiliating people. And, and you know, you're thinking of somebody probably, there are people, this is just how they come, right? They come at you very personally, angry, attacking you uh, as 
a person. Some people are so good at this, they don't even need words. Like their body language conveys criticism. The way they roll their eyes. You just, some people, the way they breathe, like you just know. Like, oh, they didn't like that. Like, oh, well, they're going to argue about that. Well, they didn't. This meeting's going to last two more hours now. They just breathed, right? They just, it's a, it's a gift that they have. They can just insinuate criticism. Right? It's unhealthy when it becomes personal. The second way it's unhealthy, and this is the one we're going to spend most of our time on. Criticism is unhealthy when it's chronic. When it's not an occasional suggestion, when it's not an, an intended positive feedback that I get occasionally from this person that I trust, but when it's everything, all the time. You know people like I do. They can always find what's wrong with something and never what's right with something. They can, you can do a hundred things right and they're going to zero in on that one thing you missed. A hundred great things happened, yeah, but there was this one thing that wasn't so great. When criticism is chronic, when it's all the time, chronic criticism, everywhere, every conversation, every day, every meeting, that person always has something they're dissatisfied with, always has something that they don't like. Criticism is definitely tilted over towards the unhealthy side, toward, toward the side that is going to be draining. Now, in all criticism, even the chronic kind, in, in all criticism, there's probably, there's usually, sometimes, there's kernels of truth that we need to pay attention to. Like even our worst critic, even the most chronic critic you and i need to need to give attention we need to at least ask the question is there anything i need to pay attention to in this conversation anything that i need to receive from this conversation but here's what we have to do especially with chronic uh, criticizers we have to prioritize whose critiques we're actually going to internalize we have to prioritize we can't give equal weight to everybody's criticism that we know we just you just can't because there are some people that are never going to stop criticizing. They're not, never going to stop finding things to correct you about. And you can't absorb all of that. None of us can carry all the weight of the person who's constantly, chronically giving us problems, criticisms. So you and I have to decide, okay, whose criticism do I listen to the most? Whose criticism do I think about the most again almost any criticism you can evaluate for truth like if somebody criticizes something about me or the way way i do things even if they're a chronic critic i'm going to ask right anything in that i need to pay attention to and maybe there is and maybe there's not anything i need to listen to so sometimes i'll go to somebody that i trust somebody who really knows me they they know my motives they they know my wiring and I'll say, look, I got this feedback today, and nobody's ever said this before. Or, or I didn't know what to do with this. Do you think this is true of me? Do you see any of this in me? Like, we should pursue that. We, we should ask, is there any truth to any of this? But, but what you and I can't do is we can't elevate everybody's criticism to the same weight. Because some people honestly don't have your best interest at heart when they criticize. They think they do. If you asked them, they would say that they do, but they don't have your best interest at heart. They're just negative people. They're just harsh people.
people. All sorts of reasons. Their motives may be skewed, but not everybody who criticizes you has your best interest at heart, and therefore you can't give every criticism equal weight that you hear. One of the reasons I say this is because criticism is one of the easiest and least creative responses you can give to anything. It's one of the easiest things to do. We can all find reasons to criticize. All of us. We can all find reasons to be dissatisfied with someone or something or some system or some organization. It's one of the easiest things to do, to sit on your couch and come up with all the things you don't like. Like, how hard is that? You're thinking of some right now, right? They just come to you. Our mind can always find what it's dissatisfied with. It doesn't take a lot of work, and therefore, if you're trying to process everybody's negative comment, if you're trying to, to process, if you're trying to work through everybody's criticism of you, you are never going to get to the end of that. Like The older you get, I, I think the better you're able, hopefully, the better you're able to consider what is genuine constructive critique and what is not. I, I mean, typically you can you can decide between this was kind of thoughtful uh, given in the right spirit in the right attitude this person wants to help me and this person just walked in and saw something they didn't like and wanted to tell me about it they just kind of shoot wild they kind of fire all over the place wherever they go you can typically kind of tell the difference and you can't give hours and hours to the person who is going to critique everything it's just too easy And because it's so easy, it's easy to get pulled into that flow of of criticism. I know we're talking about them, like they're terrible, but let's be honest. It's very easy for our heart to get pulled into the stream of seeing things negatively, pulled into the current of seeing the worst of something. And before we know it, we're kind of downstream. Another analogy, another way to think of it is, Criticism is communicable, like, like a disease. You've seen this maybe in some groups that you're a part of. Uh, maybe you've seen it in your office. Like One person has a, a negative attitude, and then one becomes two, and two becomes four, and like everybody's quarreling before long. Negativity, criticism, is communicable. Like It gets passed, again, because it's so easy. It's so easy just to get drawn downstream, and like I said, sometimes you're way downstream because of this negative current that you stepped into, especially when they get to something that you're not real happy about. If they ever land on something that you are already kind of critical about, that's sort of the gateway drug of criticism, right? Like That's how you step, that's your entry point, and then it just starts building on itself you and i have to be careful because i know you know people who are critical but man it's so easy to get sucked into that what do you do what a couple of some some suggestions here's one you have to minimize the time and energy you give to chronic complainers not that you don't listen if necessary not that you don't evaluate you just can't give emotional energy you can't give tons of time to people who are always criticizing. Like I said, there are people I know who are generally encouraging, who are generally on board, and if they come to me and say, hey, I want to 
talk to you about something. I'm gonna, I'm gonna listen because I know this isn't their character. Their nature is not to chronically complain. Whereas if there is someone who always complains, I just view that differently. I don't dismiss it. I, I, I don't discount it. But, but I just view it differently. You have to have that ability in your life as well. The ultimate biblical example, like the most extended biblical example, I think, of complainers would be in the Old Testament, the Hebrew children, children of Israel, as they're wandering in the wilderness under Moses. And, and the story is Jacob and his sons leave Israel. They go to Egypt because there's a famine. And uh, the nation grows over 400 years while they're in Egypt. It gets so large that the ruler, the pharaoh, he begins to feel intimidated by this large number of Israelites that are living in Egypt, and he's afraid, okay, if they wanted to, they could take over, and they could run us out, and, and they could rule. And so he enslaves them, makes their life brutally hard, at one point kills all of the infant boys, throws them in the Nile River. Okay, This is the sort of existence that the Hebrew children, God's people, had in Egypt until, some of you know, God raises up Moses, a leader, and Moses leads God's people out of slavery, right? The ten plagues happen. He leads them out, parts the waters of the Red Sea. They walk through on dry ground, and then they turn back. The, the army pursues them, and God closes up the Red Sea, kills all of the Egyptian army. So just this incredible moment where they see, physically see, God's power. God's work, what God is trying to accomplish. Now, I want to read you an excerpt. This is Exodus 15, Exodus, second book of the Bible. Exodus 15, this is starting in verse 19. When Pharaoh's horses, chariots, and horsemen went into the sea, the Lord brought the waters of the sea back over them, but the Israelites walked through the sea on dry ground. Then Miriam the prophet, Aaron's sister, took a timbrel in her hand, and all the women followed her with timbrels and dancing. Miriam saying to them, Sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. Both horse and driver he is hurled into the sea. Then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea, and they went into the desert of Shur. For three days they traveled in the desert without finding water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink its water because it was bitter. This is why the place is called Marah. Marah means bitter. So the people grumbled against Moses, saying, What are we to drink? So, so here's a group of people, they've just been rescued from slavery, right? They've just been rescued from brutal existence, beatings, having their sons drown in the Nile River. They've just been rescued. They saw God perform a physical miracle, walking through on dry ground, Egyptian army killed in the sea. They have this incredible worship service. Everything is great. God is great. We're great. Everybody's great. Everything's wonderful. And in three days they're grumbling like that's all it took from this amazing moment incredible miracle of god worship service it took three days before they were complaining and they were grumbling praise service criticism like they just go from one right to the other in a short period of time Here, here's something we see about a critical spirit in this story a critical spirit lacks perspective like often when somebody brings complaints to you, they know one part of the story, or they're dismissing everything else. They're focusing on one part of the story. Critical spirit lacks perspective. For the Hebrew children, in this moment, all they saw was we don't have water. 
they didn't see, you know, God parted the water and closed up the water. Maybe he could handle this. God freed us from slavery. Maybe we're going to be okay. No, they immediately begin to complain about one thing. A person with a critical spirit lacks perspective on the whole story. They only see their own dissatisfaction. They only see their own critique related to that. A critical spirit can enjoy the goodness in front of them. Like all of the good things that had happened for the nation, they weren't able to see. They weren't able to celebrate. They weren't able to enjoy because they were upset about this one thing. And this is, this is what a chronic critical spirit does to us. All of the good things that are in our life, all of the blessings that God has given us, and this one thing is wrong. And that's all we see. We get this myopic tunnel vision view of our life that fails to see all of the good things and only sees the thing we're dissatisfied with. Another way to say that, a critical attitude destroys gratitude. A critical attitude destroys gratitude. Made that rhyme. Should get extra points for that, right? Critical attitude. I mean, there's no way to have a spirit of thanksgiving if all you see are all the things that are wrong in your life. There's no way to develop a heart of gratitude if you're constantly focused on the things that aren't up to your standard, that, that, that don't meet your requirements, that, that you're dissatisfied with, there's, there's no way that gratitude takes root in your heart. I, I'm not saying that critical people are never grateful. They can be, but, but what I'm saying is they don't live a life of gratitude. They, they don't dwell in an environment of God is good. God is provided. God can be trusted. They live in an environment of, I'm not happy with this. I don't like this. I want this to be different. I'm dissatisfied with this. By the way, this is one of the ways. If you look at your own life and you see a tendency towards criticism and negativity, this is one of the ways to fight against that, is to train yourself to be grateful. And it's, that's one of the ways we fight against Critiquing and being negative about everything is beginning to train our heart, be beginning to train our eyes for what's good in my life. God, what have you given to my, my life? God, what, what do I have to be grateful for? How can I thank you today? That's the resistance against criticism. Great month to do it in, right? We're leading up to Thanksgiving. Like This would be a great month if you recognize in your own heart a tendency Towards negativity, this would be the month to say, I'm going to focus on what I'm thankful for. I'm going to focus on what I'm grateful for and see how God might change the critical spirit that is in you. Right? Now, now here, here's, here's a challenge in dealing with chronically critical uh, people. A, a critical spirit normally isn't changed by circumstances. In other words, you can fix the thing that they don't like, and they're just going to not like something else after that. Have you ever tried to fix something for somebody who was complaining and it didn't stop the complaining? Okay, if you've dealt with a chronic criticizer, you have. You thought, well, okay, I'm going to fix that. They're right. It's not a big deal. I'm going to fix that. And then the next meeting, they pivoted to something else. Right? Circumstances... Don't fix a critical spirit because a critical spirit is not external. The problem with a critical spirit is internal. It's the way I'm viewing things. 
It is sometimes the selfish way I look at life. Everything should be the way I like it. Everybody should do things the way I want them to do it, right? It's often that inner selfishness or arrogance. I'm the only one that knows how to do anything, right? I'm the only one that knows how this should work. Everybody else is too stupid. I figured it out. Y'all should do it my way. Like this arrogance and this selfishness that feed critical spirits, that's inside. And you can change the outside all you want, You can try to fix what they're complaining about, and maybe you should. I'm just telling you, external circumstances won't change a critical heart because a critical heart's on the inside. Another problem. If not addressed, criticism just becomes a habit. It just becomes the default. It becomes instinctual. Maybe you know somebody like that. No matter what is brought up, they're going to have a reason why it won't work. No matter what the suggestion is, they're going to tell you why it's a bad suggestion. It, it, and they don't have to think about it. Like They don't have to ponder it. They don't have to work on it for a day or two. It just pops out. It just pops out. Whatever's negative, whatever's critical, it's just their habit. It's the way they see the world. It's how they interact with people. You've heard somebody say that there are people who aren't happy unless they're unhappy. Right? This, these are those people. Like they're only happy if they're complaining about something. And again, that's not a circumstance issue. That's not a you need to work in a different uh, uh, part of the organization issue. That's an inside issue. There's something in you that refuses to be satisfied or to receive the blessings and goodness that God has given you. Again, example from the nation of Israel as they're wandering in the wilderness. We were in Exodus 15. This is Exodus 17. The whole Israelite community set out from the desert of sin, traveling from place to place as the Lord commanded. They camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. So they quarreled with Moses and said, give us water to drink. Anybody heard that before? Broken record? Have we done this before? Another Numbers chapter 20. See if this sounds familiar. In the first month, the whole Israelite community arrived at the desert of Zin, and they stayed at Kadesh. There Miriam died and was buried. Now there was no water for the community, and the people gathered in opposition to Moses and Aaron. They quarreled with Moses and said, If only we had died when our brothers fell dead before the Lord, why did you bring up bring us out of Egypt to this terrible place? It has no grain or figs, grapevines or pomegranates, and there is no water to drink. Right? It's the same thing. It's the same thing. Same reaction, habitual reaction, over the same issue, right? You would think three times in somebody would have said, you know what, we've, we've kind of been here before. Like we, we've seen this exact situation, and it always works out. Maybe we shouldn't get worked up this time. Right, maybe we should pray. God always seems to have a plan. And maybe we should trust God. I'm sure Moses knows we need water. Moses isn't dumb. He knows we, needs wa- we need water. Maybe we should just have a conversation. Right, that would be great if the Bible said, and they all talked it out with Moses. But that's not what it says. They quarreled with Moses. They confronted They criticized Moses. Nobody said, you know, we've seen this before. Maybe it'll work out. Maybe the we wish we were dead thing is a little extreme. Maybe we should pull back from the whole, oh, I wish we had died. 
Maybe that's a little over the top. Nobody said that. Same situation, same reaction. Same grumpy people. Same complaining again and again and again. Everything's now a catastrophe. So here's a, here's a problem with critical people. A critical spirit is rarely an accurate representation of the situation. You need to learn this if you're going to be leading, dealing with, working a lot with critical people. What they bring to you, like the complaint they bring, is rarely the whole story. It's rarely an accurate representation of what's going on. Uh, here's an example. This is Numbers uh, 14. That night, uh, all the members of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole assembly said to them, If only we had died in Egypt, there's the died thing again, or in this wilderness, why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to each other, We should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. This is the moment where <clears throat> they send the spies into the promised land, to kind of scout it out and 10 of them come back and say no it's a scary place we don't need to go in there and two of them came back and said hey God gave it to us let's go in and get it and that negativity that criticism spreads throughout the whole community and in the exaggeration of the criticism they say things like our wives and our kids are going to be taken as plunder they were not going to be taken as plunder God was going to fight for them. He'd already promised them they were going to get the land. We should just go back to Egypt. Remember what Egypt was like? They were slaves. They were beaten. They were mistreated. Their sons were thrown in the Nile River and drowned. If you believe this group, Egypt was not a terrible place. It was like an all-inclusive vacation place. Like, oh, I just wish we could go back to the beach. It was so good back there. No, it was terrible back there. This is how chronically critical people tell their story, though. It's not an accurate representation of what's going on. It's a representation of what's going on that makes their point, that, that gets their point across. So what do we do? A couple of suggestions, real quick. <clears throat> First thing is, if you're dealing with constantly critical people, you have to get clarity on where the truth lies. If they bring you this big story, this big thing, typically it's not going to accurately represent what's going on. And so instead of responding in the moment, say, let me do some checking. Right? Give yourself some time to find out how much of what you just heard was actually true because it's probably going to be exaggerated. It's probably not going to accurately represent what is happening get clarity on where the truth lies second help them see a bigger perspective if possible okay this this is the point at which we're not dismissing them we're not devaluing them okay we're we're honoring them as another human by bringing them into the story and saying look i know that you don't know this piece of it but there's also this other thing going on i know 
I know your team works in this area, but we have two other teams that work in these areas. And, and I know that you don't see what they're doing, but this is the other part of that story. Now, it doesn't always work, but, but as a way of honoring them as another human, give them the facts. Like, tell them the truth. No, no this is the part that you're missing. Right? This is what you don't see about why that decision was made. Help them see a bigger perspective. Number three, avoid being drawn into their criticism. Easy to do. <clears throat> Number four, don't take on the burden <clears throat> of trying to appease every critic. Don't, don't put that burden on yourself. Okay? You, you, every time someone comes to you with critique, you can't be the one that says, okay, I'll fix it. Okay, I'll fix it. Some of us are, some of us are pleasers. Uh, some of, I don't mean that negatively. Some of us like peace. We don't like conflict. And if we feel like, well, I can change that, and that way we won't have conflict, that's what we're going to try to do. So we're going to keep taking on the words of the critic and saying, okay, I'll fix it, okay, I'll fix it, and then we're going to spend all of our time and energy responding to the critic instead of doing what we're supposed to be doing. You, you, you can't fix everything for them. Again, because it's not an external issue. It's not a circumstance issue. It's often an issue on the inside of them. Uh, number five, <clears throat> when necessary, distance yourself from the chronic complaining. We kind of circle back to that one throughout this series, and we haven't given a lot of detail on it. As I said last week, this doesn't need to be our first response. This doesn't need to be our instinctual uh, response. But there are times when what the critic is doing is starting to be unhealthy for you. It's starting to weigh on you, and you need space from that. You need distance from that. You don't need to be the one that they keep coming to. You need to step back from all of that. Now, in this discussion, <clears throat> it is easiest to think about them, right? We talk about the critic. It is easiest to think of somebody. But we need to at least for a moment ask, where are these things true of me? Where, if anywhere, where does someone see me as that person? Right? Great question. I didn't come up with it. It gets used a lot. It's just this question. What is it like to be on the other side of me? What is it like to be on the other side of me? Right? How, how do people experience me? How do they experience my comments? How do they experience my suggestions? Are there any areas in, in this topic that I need to clean up for me. Yeah, we have to handle critics that are out there, but you also got, got to, from time to time, ask, okay, is that me? Am I the one putting unhealthy pressure on other people because it is my instinct to criticize? It is my instinct to point out the negative. Really quick, and we'll close. I read a book many, many years ago, <clears throat> short little book. Some of you have probably read it. It's called Balcony People. Just a great short little read. Cut to the chase. The, the underlying theme is, as we go through life, we meet two kind of people. We meet balcony people, people who stand in the balcony, reach over the rail to where we are, and pull us up to where they are. And we meet basement people, people who stand on the bottom, 
reach up and try to pull us down to where they are. And, and the question is, the, the, question, the two questions are, who am I surrounding myself with? Am I surrounding myself with people who are encouraging, who are lifting me up, or am I surrounded by critics that are pulling me down all the time? Second question, which one am I? How do people experience me? Do they experience me as someone who lifts up, inspires, encourages, pull, pulls people up, or do they experience me as the person that's always tugging down on them? You can only answer that for you. I can't answer that for you. I can only answer for me. Which one are you? God, we ask that you would work in us. Uh, a part of our fallen nature, uh, a part of being sinful and broken and not perfect is that it is easy for most of us just to slip into a critical mode. And, and, and for most of us, it's, it's seasonal, meaning it's short-term. We, we're, we're tired, we're emotionally drained, and, and the negativity just kind of spills out. Uh, for others of us, maybe, maybe it's more chronic, and I pray you would help us to deal with the inner stuff that's driving that, the inner attitudes that's driving that. God, in our work, in our friendships, in our families, we, we also have to navigate relationships with critical people. God, help us to, to see them as human, to, to honor them as humans, to do what we can through your power to, to help them change their perspective, but Help us also to guard against that mentality, that, that person being an unhealthy influence in our life. I pray it in Christ's name. Amen.